Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds to receive from you for your glory. Amen. Okay, so the last time that the BSF ladies led a service, we'd been studying Genesis. And one of the things that I talked about was how amazed I had been when I'd realized the number of times that we had seen Jesus in Genesis. I think the most notable for me was the number of parallels between Joseph, the beloved son of Jacob, and Jesus, the son of God. Well, this year, we've been studying the life of Moses, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So I suppose I shouldn't have been surprised to find parallels in the account of Moses' life and Jesus, and that by studying Moses, we were also studying Jesus. So I want to tell you a few things about Moses. His coming had been foretold. He was born into poverty as a Hebrew. He was hunted as an infant. He left his life of power and prosperity to humble himself and identify with the poor and powerless. He was chosen and anointed by God to lead the people, bringing them through blood and water out of slavery and into freedom. He was used by God to establish God's covenant with those who believe. And his biography spans four books of the Bible, which tell us little of his childhood, but who, in his adult life, would be used by God to change the world. And this is Moses. It just amazes me. So my prayer is that each one of us would be inspired by the life of Moses in ways that draw us closer to Jesus. So I want to share with you this morning one of the lessons from our study this year that most significantly impacted me. And it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 27. So I'd first like to give you a little bit of background about Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is a collection of sermons given by Moses to the Israelites just before they were to cross the River Jordan and enter the land that God had promised them several hundred years earlier. These sermons, recorded over 33 chapters, were given by Moses in the last few days of his life. So if we look at Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 3, we know that the first sermon started on the first day of the 11th month of the 40th year since the Israelites had left Egypt. Now if we turn to Joshua chapter 4, verse 19, we see that people actually crossed the Jordan just over two months later on the 10th day of the first month of the following year. Now we also know from Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 8, that the Israelites observed 30 days of mourning when Moses died and that Joshua gave them three days to prepare for their journey across the Jordan. So Joshua chapter 1, verse 11 says, Joshua said, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. So this therefore tells us that Moses had just 37 days from when he started this series of sermons until his death. 
The word Deuteronomy literally means second law. The name comes from the word deutero, which means second, and nomos, which means law, second law. By second, Moses was not introducing a different law. Instead, he was reinstating and repeating God's laws, reminding the people what God had done for them, how the law applied to their lives, and what they were to do to serve him when they reached the promised land. So, in Deuteronomy, Moses is giving the same law for the second time. Why? Why did Moses feel the need to remind these people of the law? Why did it need to be reinstated? Well, these people, this multitude standing on the banks of the River Jordan, ready at last to enter the land, were not the same people who had been given God's laws 38 years earlier. These people had not experienced the miracle at the Red Sea or heard the law given at Mount Sinai. And that's because every adult who was over the age of 20 when they'd left Egypt in the Exodus had died in the wilderness, except for Moses, Joshua, and Caleb. And Moses knew he would die before they entered the land. So Moses was passionate to preach, challenge, instruct, and warn these people. His passionate preaching really demonstrated how much he loved them. But Moses also knew how prone they were to sin. Moses was passionate to preach to this new generation about the application of the law, to plead with them to obey God, and to urge them to remember God's faithfulness, God's holiness, God's blessings, and God's warnings. So, three key verses in Deuteronomy are... Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. They are not just idle words for you. They are your life. By them you will live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So I'm now going to read uh, Deuteronomy chapter chapter 27, verses 1 to 8. Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people, keep all these commands that I give you today. When you've crossed the Jordan into the land the Lord your God is giving you, set up some large stones and coat them with plaster. Write on them all the words of this law when you have crossed over to enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. 
And when you've crossed the Jordan, set up these stones on Mount Ebal, as I command you today, and coat them with plaster. Build there an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. Do not use any iron tool on them. Build the altar of the Lord your God with field stones and offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. Sacrifice fellowship offerings there, eating them and rejoicing in the presence of the Lord your God. And you shall write very clearly all the words of the law on these stones you have set up. So in this passage, Moses gives instructions as to what the people should do when they enter the land. The first thing he tells them to do is to set up large stones covered with plaster on the mountainside for all to see and to write God's laws on these stones. So it's very important that these people knew God's laws. And these stones would clearly state the laws by which they were to be governed. These large stones would also be a visual reminder, a visual aid, constantly reminding them of God's laws. Laws that would help them to make wise choices and show them the best way to live. So what really struck me in Deuteronomy was the importance that Moses put on remembering and obeying God's law, his decrees, and his commands. So as I read through Deuteronomy, I found more than 50 verses in which Moses talks about following God's commands. He uses the words, keep, carefully observe, do not forget, teach, hear, learn, talk about, take to heart, write down, do not turn aside from, impress them on, follow, fully obey, pay attention to. And I believe that God is passionate today that we know and follow his commands, that we know what is in here. The book of Deuteronomy underscores the importance of God's word. It's a vital part of our lives. Keep, carefully observe, do not forget, teach, hear, learn, talk about, take to heart, write down, do not turn aside from, impress them on, follow, fully obey, pay attention to. The book of Deuteronomy has really brought home to me the importance of God's word, that sin has serious consequences, but that obedience brings blessing. Sin has serious consequences, but obedience brings blessing. So it's at this point you may be thinking, We no longer have an old covenant relationship with God. We do not have to obey the law. We are under the new covenant, a covenant of grace. We are blessed, not because of our obedience, but because of our position in Jesus. We are not punished, because all the punishment that we deserve, past, present, and future, was poured out on Jesus on the cross. We have been made holy Yet, we are still urged to make every effort to be holy. There is a great tension in the Christian life. We have been made holy, yet we are still urged to make every effort to be holy. We are no longer under guilt. We are now under grace. So although we don't have to obey as a matter of law, 
we actually find that the new covenant of grace goes way beyond what the old law expects. So when the old law says, do not kill, the new covenant says, don't even hate. Don't even disrespect a brother or sister. In fact, go way beyond that to loving your enemies. The old covenant says, do not commit adultery. The new says, don't even look at someone with lust. The old covenant says, do not steal. What does the new covenant say? Well, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. So the new covenant says that not only must we not steal, we must get a job and earn some money. Why? Well, it's not to build up riches for ourselves, because as you can see here in Ephesians, the reason we should work is to have something to share with those in need. The new covenant of grace goes way beyond what the old law expects. And if we go back to the passage, you'll notice that alongside the stones, with the law written on them, the people were also to build an altar. It was important to Moses that these people knew that the written law and the altar with its sacrifices go together. Because however hard they try, it was impossible to keep God's commands. God's laws and commands simply show a sinful people that they have a problem. A problem that they cannot solve themselves. And the altar is God's solution to the problem of sin. When God first gave the law at Mount Sinai, he also gave instructions for the sacrifices. When he gave Moses, the lawgiver, he also gave Aaron to be the high priest. It was as if God thundered from Mount Sinai, thou shalt not, but then immediately added, yet I know you will, so here's my way to escape my wrath and condemnation. And so for these people, and also for us now, it's important that we understand that the written law and the altar go together. Because God is holy, he must judge sin, and therefore disobedience leads to punishment. The sacrifices at the altar show that it's possible for an innocent victim to die in the place of a sinner. The sacrifices at the altar show us what needs to happen to save the people from the penalty and power of their sin. In Moses' day, the victim was an animal, but no animal could really take away the punishment for sin. And we know this points forward to Jesus, the perfect and all-sufficient sacrifice. The sacrifices in Moses' day satisfied the requirements of the law, but they could not deal with the heart of the problem of sin. When Christ offered the perfect sacrifice for sin, the inadequate sacrifices were terminated. Christ dealt with our sins once for all, never to be repeated. There was no need 
for another sacrifice. There will never be any need for another sacrifice. Thank God for Jesus. And notice too that the altar was to be constructed of natural stones, naturally occurring stones that were found in the fields, stones that had not been cut or polished, that no human hand had worked on. This was to demonstrate that human beings have nothing to add to the way of salvation. We cannot add anything because we possess nothing to add. Salvation is by faith through Jesus Christ alone. Thank God for Jesus.